This is the Daily Wrestling News for the morning of December 7th, 2020. I am coming to you live from Minutes to Bell Time studio on the beautiful Treasure Coast of the Sunshine State. My name is Ryan Joy, and I am joined today again by Mr. John Smith. John, how are you? Good, man. How are you doing? How'd you like War Games last night? War Games was great, and uh, we're going to spend a lot of time talking about War Games on this show. Uh, that is the main topic. Uh, before we get going, though, I want to point out um, you are wearing a Daniel Bryan shirt this morning. Yes, yes, yes. And I can't always do this every time somebody comes on the show with a wrestling shirt, but today I happen to have this GIF to play. <laughs> uh, I have a video of Daniel Bryan doing his Yes, uh, yes chant, wearing the same shirt that John's wearing. Uh, it is no longer available at www.shop.com. I checked right before the show went on the air. <laughs> Fun fact, I uh, I actually got my yes sign ripped up by Daniel Bryan at a show back in 2012. Wow, really? Oh, yeah, I'm going to have to make make a make a gif of that so you can play it next time I'm on. That will be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so as, uh, as stated, just to run through what we're going to talk about today. Today's agenda is War Games Recap. We've got a little bit of news to talk about. Uh, morning Show Trivia. And then we'll get out of here in what will be about 30 minutes. I'm feeling really confident about 30 minutes today. So let's see if we can we can get it done. Uh, John, it's a morning show. Do you got what you need? I certainly do, sir. Oh, and Andre the Giant-sized uh, cup of water for John this morning. <laughs> as I play the Andre the Giant uh, gif for him. And let me ring the bell and we'll get the show on the road. Okay, so war games. Um, just John, what do you think overall? Scale of one to ten. Where's the show? Whew, uh, scale of one to ten, I would have to give it probably um, a six and a half. You know, above average. You know, nothing crazy. Um, you know, no, there was a couple surprises, like the endings of matches, but I wasn't really overwhelmed by any of the matches. So I'm not going to sit here and just be a homer because I'm the NXT guy and call it an eight and a half or a nine. Fair enough. Um, yeah, Fair enough. I mean, what's that? Go right ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just going to say that, like, I, there's not a bad match on the card, but it was just a bunch of B, B, B minuses and Bs, you know, throughout the show, in my opinion. That's all. Yeah. Um, it was kind of lacking the world title match, I think. I think if that was in there, it would have had a bigger feel. It's it was kind of it's kind of rough with that being out of the equation. But you had a war games match to start the show and a war games match to finish the show. Both were very good, um, and then the matches between were just kind of they were good matches, but they were just there, really. Yeah, so. I think the Thatcher and Champa match pretty much stole the show. They they went hard, man. I really liked that match. Yeah, yeah, and it was a completely different style than anything else on the show as well. Absolutely. So, all right, let's uh, let's go into this match by match and kind of kind of break it down here. So, Team Candice wins War Games in 35 minutes and 18 seconds. Raquel Gonzalez used a single arm power bomb to get the pinfall over Io Shirai. 
John, what you think of this match? Um, shocked by the outcome, by who got the pin, who was pinned. I mean, at one point, I was watching the show with Al, and at one point, when Rhea and Raquel Gonzalez stood up against each other, I was like, why do they think that we want to see this? What has Raquel ever done? And now we have an answer to that question. What has Raquel ever done? She just powerbombed EO through a ladder and pinned her. Yeah, um, I think... I think some people, if we're if we're looking at this match critically, when Io Shirai got put in, it was almost it should have been a signal. It, it probably wasn't to a lot of us, but it should have been a signal that um, she's going to be involved in the outcome, and that could lead to whatever's next. And she's already blown through the other three, so it makes sense that now we move on to Raquel, who's had good matches. She lost most of them. Um, I think a lot of people think a lot of that Rhea Ripley match. Of course, she lost it. And then she had the match with Shotzi. She lost that. Um, but now she has a pinfall victory over Io Shirai, uh, who, by the way, wore a trash can upon entry to this match. Oh, my God. <laughs> that was that was quite the entrance. And then later on when she got squashed by, I think, Dakota Kai did the stomp with that. You know, it was, looked a little reckless, but I, I liked it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So uh, if you didn't see the show, Io Shirai's number got called. She goes to enter war games. Raquel Gonzalez won't let her in. They deny her entry. Indy Hartwell attacks her. Uh, they chain the cage closed. Don't let Io in. Of course, the match can't start until she does get in, so the referee does not counting any pinfalls or anything. So you can see the, the wrestlers starting to kind of group up. And then all of a sudden the camera pans up on the cage and there's Io Shirai. She's got a trash can tied to her wrist. She throws it over her head and then just dives onto the pile. Um, crazy, crazy spot. That's, that's was, how you one up the moonsault from last year. It was almost like she was just a little kid and she was playing. She was like, yeah, I get to be in more games, you know? Yes, yes. And then the spot that you spoke of, uh, it did look really reckless. And I think uh, Dakota Kai did basically a coup de grace double stomp onto Io Shirai, who was inside a trash can. And I'm thinking Io Shirai was not getting out of that trash can unless Dakota Kai, you know, uh, basically unbent it because she pinched her in there pretty pretty tight. I was worried for her. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um. But like we mentioned, Raquel Gonzalez got the pin over uh, over Io Shirai, which should line her up for a title match. Um, but we'll see how the, the story unfolds on, on screen. Did learn after the show through um, social media pictures and whatnot, Candice LeRae hurt during the match. She was shown wearing a sling. So probably towards the oh, end wow. where she was uh, favoring that arm as – I think a Shotzi was coming off a ladder onto her through a chair. So, um, so that was the show opener, 35 minutes. I think when people looked at this show, saw five matches, they thought, well, this will be two hours. Uh, in fact, somebody, um, somebody wrote that on, on one of my Facebook preview posts, but, um, you have to remember the war games matches go long. So uh, you're, you're deep into the, the clock before the match even begins. So after that match, Finn Balor had a little promo, kind of uh, pre-tape promo, where he said, enjoy War Games, because this Wednesday, all the eyes go back to the Prince. So um, 
John, I guess we're going to get to see Finn Balor on Wednesday. We don't have anything specific, but I guess the eyes are going back to him. Yeah, he's probably going to come out and cut a promo on someone or everyone or us or who knows. But um, TikTok, I think his time is closing up, man. TikTok. Yeah. Uh, late, you know, later on through the show is after the Dexter Loomis match, um, which we'll get to in a second. But it was just after the match, you have uh, Vic Josephs is showing this, us this beautiful new war games playset by Mattel and uh, which I guess is available right now at amazon.com as long as we're doing promos for, for WWE merchandise. Uh, yeah. Like they need the free promo, right? Yeah. Right. 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 <laughs> the, uh, the lights flicker a vulture appears and we hear, we hear the familiar voice of Karrion Cross saying tick tock. Of course, he didn't lose the, the NXT championship. He forfeited it. And now you have a situation where Finn Balor's coming back from injury just a little bit. I mean, he's been out almost as long as Killer Cross or Karrion Cross. So uh, it kind of makes sense that they would get programmed together. Uh, and not sure if that's, I mean, that's not going to happen Wednesday. I'm sure they'll have to advertise it. But um, do you think we see an altercation on Wednesday between these two? Uh, possibly not. I think maybe if the, there is an altercation, it'll be like Finn in the ring and, you know, cross on the, on the Titan Tron or just another ominous, you know, video package on the Titan Tron or whatever you want to call it. But uh, my biggest gripe with this whole thing is that they took the belt off carrying cross when he could have just come out and, you know, you know, wreaked hell for the past few months and not put that title on the line. And then they let Finn Balor keep it when he gets injured in the same way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was clear. It was clear to me that, okay, carrying cross doesn't is injured. He can't wrestle. We're going to take the title off him. That's a bummer. We'll put it on Finn. They had no plans of Finn getting hurt too, but they felt like afterwards, probably they couldn't take it off him too, but yeah, it's a crappy situation. But, um, you know, the, the character work on carrying cross has been so good that, like you like you've mentioned, they don't really need him to be there in order for his presence to be felt. Exactly. And like Scarlet could walk out with that um, hourglass, and maybe this maybe something like this happens. You know, Scarlet walks out with the hourglass, puts it on ringside, turns it over, looks at Finn, and walks away. You know, things they've done a lot of good character work with with him. So, you know, I look I look forward to his return and seeing maybe. This. Yeah. Maybe the vulture, maybe the vulture is like a reference to Finn Balor. Like he's a he vultured that title from Karrion Cross because he had to lay it down, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see. So I mean it, it gets a little bit of intrigue at least for this Wednesday. I guess that's what their NXT is programming against Sting uh on AEW. So it's something it's something at least. Um yeah. Tommaso Ciampa. Defeated Timothy Thatcher in 1646 using the DDT. I don't know if it's Widow's or Willow's Bell. <laughs> um, I said Widow's Bell, and Al corrected me, actually, because apparently uh, Champa's, I think, daughter's name is Willow. Let's go with that. Willow's Bell. Makes sense. It's what it sounds like, but then I couldn't figure out how, what it meant. So, so Willow's Bell DDT, and uh, like you mentioned, I think that match probably stole the show. It was a it was a 
good match. Yeah, it started off as like Matt wrestling, but not in a Daniel Bryan versus AJ Styles way. It was real rough, you know, grinding elbows into into ribs and you know, yeah. chins in the ears and stuff. You got Thatcher's um cauliflower ear got busted open at one point and he had a whole face full of blood. That was that was pretty cool. Yeah, exactly. It was, I mean, right in the first minute or so, these guys are Matt wrestling. Um, ex- not I wouldn't say really exchanging holds because it was more of Thatcher had Champa on the mat, and then and then it turned into you know slugfest, kicking knees, things like that. It just got really physical, and um, I think it was on the on a running knee that to the side of the face where uh, Thatcher's ear got opened up, created quite a quite a scene. I thought for some parts of this match that that uh, Thatcher might walk away with it, but wasn't the case. Yeah, I, I had mentioned last Thursday after the student had gotten involved, Rust Taylor, yeah, I think his name was, right? Yeah. Uh, when After he got involved, I, I, I mentioned, oh, I might want to change my pick because, you know, he might get involved or more students might get involved. But, I you know, I'm glad I didn't change my pick because it was one of the only ones I got right. Yeah, same. <laughs> same. Dexter Loomis and Cam- Cameron Cameron Grimes uh, had their match. Dexter won in 12 minutes, 57 seconds. He used uh, the chokehold uh, for the victory. Um, I, I really enjoyed certain aspects of this match. I liked that the fact that, um, to me, it seemed like it was the end of the program. They did callbacks to the blindfold match. Um, the referee was the, zomb- it was the zombie ref, although he wasn't dressed as such. Um, etc. Things like that. So I enjoyed those aspects of it. It looks like the the bow is on this feud, though. Yeah, as much as I loved this feud, I'm happy to see it over with because now I get to see these guys in separate programs, and then I get more enjoyment out of the show. So, sure, sure. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I know. I know you've mentioned in the past. Looks like maybe you think maybe Cameron Grimes is going to go after their North American title. It seems like they're both kind of in that range, though. So it, I'm not sure which you know how that works itself out, or if the Johnny Gargano Priest rough stuff is even over. Well, yeah, the the fact that Johnny won the title back threw a wrench in my uh, my future plans for that title because I thought that Rough was going to keep it, and it would be a way to get it onto a different set of guys instead of having like Johnny always around it and priest right. move up to the main event, you know, but yeah. we'll see. I yep. trust Hunter. <laughs> there you go. Uh, NXT announced new year's evil for December 6th. Uh, this is going to be a regular NXT show. Um, you know, one of their branded uh, weekly television shows. So um, something to look forward to in the new year, I guess. Yeah, uh, is it going up against any? Does AEW have anything special planned that day, or not yet? Uh, nothing announced at this point. They have mentioned um, they have mentioned in media calls that they plan to do a big New Year's special. Now, whether that's the December, what is it, 29th or whatever, right before New Year's, or it's the sixth, I'm not sure. But I'm sure they're going to put a you know program the outcomes of this war games and the next few weeks of television into, into this, this program. So I, you know, I expect maybe, maybe I, that's why I expect maybe Raquel and EO hit that show. Um, 
but we'll, we'll see. Um, like, as you mentioned, Johnny Gargano defeats Leon Ruff and Damian Priest in 17 minutes, 30 seconds. He is the new three-time North American champion. A lot of Ghostface interference in this match. Ultimately, Austin Theory revealed himself to have been one of the Ghostfaces. He said all along. So, take him as his word for that. So, um, any part, any thoughts on this match? I mean, um, just that I'm shocked that Johnny won. I, when I was watching it again with Al, um, I, t- I said to him that I could see Priest winning. I really think Ruff's going to win, but there's no way Johnny's winning this match. And then Johnny won the match. It just, I like as much as they brought those ghost faces out for the past few weeks, I didn't even consider the fact that they would help him win the match. Yeah. Priest looked really good in this match. I mean, I, th- I think he was protected really well. Um, you know, at one point, I think Vic Josephs or, or Wade Barrett said, you know, he did all the work of beating up 16 of these ghost faced uh, people interfering. And, I, you know, I think. He's kept strong. I, I'm hoping this is a, or thinking maybe this is a period on the end of the Gargano and Priest story, and maybe Priest can move on as a challenger for Finn Balor. Um, he's he seems to have really progressed with his character work and stuff, and and they kept him so strong. It seems like that probably could program him up. So. And in the final match of the card, the Undisputed Era defeated Team McAfee in 45 minutes and one second. A lot of back and forth toward the end. Uh, The Undisputed Era got the pinfall victory. The decision came after uh, Roderick Strong and Bobby Fish hit Oni Lorcan with the high-low kicks, assisted by a chair. And Kyle O'Reilly dropped a knee through a chair onto Lorcan's face, wrapping him up for the pin. Jonathan, it surprised you that Pat McAfee wasn't involved in the decision. Uh, yes, it did. I think a lot of this match surprised me. Uh, you know, we were we were calling for a uh, like a split of the undisputed era by the end of this match. Everyone but you, at least, you're the only one that that had picked them to win. So I was definitely surprised at a lot of this match. Yeah, yeah, there were some really um, interesting, creative things. I think in both War Games matches. In this one, you know, it's it's very common for somebody to have their number called and somebody come to the ring and they pull a weapon out from underneath the ring. That's that's pretty common every war games. Uh, the thing McAfee did, which was really interesting, is he pulled out four tables. Every table marked with the Undisputed Era logo and a table for each member because they all had Cole, Strong, Fish, um, O'Reilly, O'Reilly. Like <laughs> blanking on the last one there, and. Uh, in some cases, you know, Strong went through his table right away. Um, Bobby Fish put somebody put uh, somebody through his table toward the end of the match. Um, so not everybody went through their table, but um, but you know they all came in play. It was it was you know, a little something extra for it. But McAfee looked good in the match. Did a big moonsault. Um, two matches in, he hasn't done anything wrong, but he's been there with some really good people. So yeah, Let's see what he does. Do you think he? Do you think he's done with Undisputed Era, or do you think that there's more to that story? It's a good question. I hadn't really considered that, but I mean, at this point, who does he go after? I mean, unless he just starts just talking for for Oni and and Birch for a little while, and 
you know, is around for the tag team stuff and, you know, he's talking for Pete Dunne, so then maybe Pete Dunne could be going after one of the titles, you know. I think that, it, you know, when I look at the situation, Pete Dunne seems like a winner in this situation because a lot of the focus has been on him. And he, it's some, and he's been, I don't want to say he was overshadowed because even everything seems to be like around building him as like the, the tough guy in the group. And it, it, you know, he could, this, the whole Kings of NXT group could dissolve and, and Pete Dunne will have been better for it, I think, because he, he looked good, good in all these different situations. So. Yeah. The first thing I wrote here was Pete Dunne needs a belt in his mouth. <laughs> yes. Yes, he does. Um, you know, every time, every time they did a promo, you got McAfee hyping up the fact that he's the longest reigning NXT UK champion, blah, 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 you know, bring it, you know, building him up. And I don't think they're building him up for nothing. I think he's going to split off and maybe he go, you know, a Finn Balor, Pete Dunn match is not a bad thing to, to move on to. Um, you know, so I, so I think Finn has options because, you know, there's Cole was a winner here. Pete Dunn looked good. O'Reilly got the decision. Um, Karrion Cross is coming back. who has a legitimate grub, uh, gripe. So it could be one of those series of triple threat matches to determine who, you know, faces, faces Baylor. But, um, the division, the division looks like it has some depth in it right now. So it's good to see. Absolutely. Any final, any final parting thoughts on War Games before we move on? Uh, no, not really. Just uh, I'm excited to see where this goes next with this um, New Year's Evil. I'm really excited about Karrion Cross coming back because yeah. you know it really, it really hurt my heart when when he had to give that title up the day after he won it. Yeah, right. Right. Well, uh, I think that, like we said, that puts a bow on War Games. We don't have anything announced for NXT this week except for the fact that Finn Balor will be on the show. Um, similarly for Raw tonight, we don't have very much for that show. There's a three-on-one handicap match where AJ Styles, The Miz, and John Morrison will face Sheamus and Drew McIntyre, and Randy Orton's inviting himself inside the Firefly Funhouse. So that should turn out well for him as it typically does. <laughs> um, we might turn that down too. What's yeah, exactly. I think I was I was thinking before the show that the Bray Wyatt might want to take out some extra insurance on that fun house if he's going to have <laughs> if he can even get insurance. <laughs> right. All right, so that'll do it for recaps, and we talked about Raw tonight. Um, we're going to move into the news. Got a just got a few news items that I want to hit, um, and for that, we're going to transition with our little video. Major League Wrestling CEO Court Bauer announced last week that Davey Boy Smith Jr. has is done with Major League Wrestling. His roster spot is open, and Bauer says the person filling the spot is a big deal, and it's a returning superstar to MLW, and he is surprised the news hasn't leaked yet. Um, this is this is actually pretty big news. I think as far as the independent scene goes, um, Davey Boy Smith is kind of like a top prospect, and he had a run in WWE. He has good relationships with WWE. Uh, if I were to bet, that's where I'd guess he would go. Um, he's actually been filming some filming some stuff because they're doing that British Bulldog 
documentary for next year. So I know he's been doing some work with them and he actually had to miss a date for UWN because of that. Um, I'm wondering, John, if he's going to get the Drew McIntyre NXT run quick to the main roster type treatment or if there's something else in mind for him. But um, I know it's been a long time since he's been in WWE, probably had a long time since you've had eyeballs on him. But um, any thoughts on that connection? Or Yeah, I mean, I, I don't remember any match specifically that he was in in WWE, and I haven't followed him afterwards. So, you know, I can only speak to – you know, what I hear, and apparently he's gotten much better over the years. I'd like to see him go go to NXT first, though, because usually, like, that's the way to get yourself established as somebody, like, credible anymore. The, nobody ever really, unless you're AJ Styles, you don't come in on the main roster out of nowhere. You go to NXT and you work on whatever your character is going to be moving forward, and then you bring it to the main roster. Yeah, yeah, um, and it doesn't always have to be a long, a long time, right? Like that's what I'm mentioning with Drew McIntyre. He, he, he wasn't there for very long, and Davy Boy Smith Jr., big guy, similar to McIntyre in that way. Something that, um, you know, I think that the WWE top brass would would approve of. <laughs> and, and John has changed the lighting in his area, so he is now from a different planet. <laughs> <laughs> He looks like somebody from the Blue Man Group at this point. <laughs> right. There you go. Um, in other news, the final battle, Ring of Honor's final battle card is starting to take form. We know the world title match is going to be Roosh versus Brody King. There's going to be a four-way match to determine who challenges for the television title. Tony Deppin, Dak Draper, LSG, and Josh Woods will compete in that match. And then, of course, we have the television title match will be the winner of that facing Dragon Lee. There's going to be the first ever Pure Rules tag match. The competitors have not been announced, but will be this week. EC3 facing Jace, uh, Jay Briscoe. That ups in a grudge match. Mexico Squad is facing Shane Taylor and SOS for the Ring of Honor six-man championships. And the Ring of Honor tag team championships and the Ring of Honor Pure Championship will be on the line, but the matches have not been announced yet. So the Ring of Honor final battle, December 18th, card is taking form um and in other news in new japan the best of the super junior tournament finals have come down to Romu takahashi and el desperado they both won their matches yesterday to to make it into the the end they finished with 14th points as did the the iwgp junior champion taiji ishimori but ishimori lost to romo and desperado during the tournament making him uh the loser on tie breaks. Same thing happened in World Tag League. G.O.D. and David Finley and Juice Robinson finished with 12 points, as did Saber and Tai Chi, but Saber and Tai Chi lost to the other two during the mat tournament, so they don't go to the finals. Um, that wraps up Ring of Honor, New Japan-type stuff. The one really interesting thing that happened in the last week is uh, MJF. He is... The New York Times film critic Wesley Morris named MGF, MJF's performance of Me and My Shadow from Le Dinner Debonair to his best of 2020 performance lists. And you probably did the same, right, Joan? I mean, that was definitely the best thing you've seen in television and wrestling and everything all year. 
I certainly enjoyed it, but I <laughs> did not expect it to end up in a magazine not about wrestling. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> uh, what Morris says, some weeks the athleticism at this professional wrestling startup is more exciting than anything happening in Vince McMahon's empire. And no one in the WWE has this kid's combination of diction, Juilliard by way of Long Island, intensity or cheesiness either. Even when Friedman's lost his cool, he still has astounding control. The character is part heel, part tool, hair gel, loafers, Burberry bling, tacky, 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 and part good fellow wannabe. His mouth does more running than he does for reasons only the producers of this show can explain. A long segment in October between MJF and veteran Chris Jericho culminated in a version of Me and My Shadow, complete with dancing women and live singing. It was less than spectacular, though not for anything Friedman did. He was he was not embarrassed at all. He was smooth in a way that should worry Ric Flair. This kid makes you want to say, "Woo!" So interesting. It, you know, it's it's just it's just kind of fun when things like this happen. You know, the the entertainment media covers something in professional wrestling, and when they they uh, almost jokingly put the <laughs> put MJF on the list. Um, he was, of course, modest um, about the whole hey. thing. And uh, if you disagreed with him, he just plainly said, you know, eat poop. <laughs> All right, that wraps up our news. John, it brings us to that time. Trivia. Oh. Trivia, trivia, trivia. Uh, are you sitting comfortably? You've got your Andre mug. Are you ready to uh, ready to go through trivia today? Yes, let me put my seat back a little bit and get prepared. <laughs> Play the intro. Okay. The rules, five questions. A simple majority correct gets you the W. If you win, you get the Goldberg Oscar Award. If you lose, you get a Hawkins. Let's bring everybody up to speed on where we stand in terms of score. John was John went just as recently as Thursday. He is seven for ten since the start of the game. We'll reset at the end of December, but as of right now, Al Carl and our guest hosts are leading the pack. Okay, well, I'm hoping to give them something to chase right now. Your category to, for today is the women of last night's War Games match. As pertains to the 2018 May Young Classic, how does that make you feel? Not great. <laughs> well, the layup question I think is a layup, so I think so. <laughs> so if nothing else, maybe you can finish strong. Let's see what how you do. Who won the 2018 May Young Classic? Was it A. Raquel Gonzalez, B. Rhea Ripley, C. Tony Storm, or D. Io Shirai? I believe it was Tony Storm. You are correct. Right. Tony Storm. Uh, okay. Question number two. Raquel Gonzalez got the win over Io Shirai on last night's TakeOver War Games. Uh, both Shirai and Gonzalez participated in the 2018 Mayhem Classic. Who eliminated Raquel, then known as Reina Gonzalez, in the first round? Was it A, Dakota Kai, B, Casey Catanzaro, C. Io Shirai, or D. Mia Yim? 
I'm going with Mia Yim. Mia Yim, good guess. It was B, Casey Catanzaro. I would have never thought her, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then the next question, who eliminated Io Shirai? Was it A, Rhea Ripley, B, Mia Yim, C, Deanna Perrazzo, or D, Tony Storm? See, I'm doing complete guesswork here, man. It's I haven't watched this tournament since it happened. <laughs> um, I'm going to say Tony Storm again. Tony Storm in the finals. Yep. You are two for three. Having not watched the tournament recently, that's pretty good. Uh, Rhea Ripley participated in the 2018 Mayan Classic, but she didn't make it to the finals. Ripley defeated MJ Jenkins, Casey Catanzaro, and Tegan Knox before being eliminated by... This woman was it A. Tony Storm, B. Io Shirai, C. Shayna Baszler, or D. Kyrie Sane? Uh, I feel like this is a trick question. It's going to be Tony Storm again, but I'm going to go with Io Shirai. It's Io Shirai. So very good. So uh, for going into the layup question, you have gotten three out of four correct. This is going to be very good. I mean, very good things for your score, no matter what. Uh, the layup question: This knockouts champion eliminated Priscilla Kelly and Zia Lee in the tournament, but was eliminated by Io Shirai in the third round. No multiple choice. This knockouts. What's that? One more time, please. Yeah, this knockouts champion eliminated Priscilla Kelly and Zia Lee in the tournament. But was eliminated by Io Shirai in the third round. Deanna Perrazzo. Correct. <laughs> Correct. Very good. Four for five. And All right. four. very, very happy with that score, considering when, when you said May Young Classic, that was a lot of fast forwarding to me for me to be honest back then. <laughs> well, it struck me, it, it actually struck me how many of these women that were in the war games match last night participated in that. In that tournament, I knew you know it's Tony Storm and Io Shirai. I knew, and then I knew Raquel Gonzalez was in one of them. So I, you know, I started doing my research and looking things up for the show today. So there you have it. And uh, of course, you can't leave without getting this. Very good, very good. Okay, so now let's uh, final thing tomorrow's show. Uh, we have a couple of things. Um, we're gonna do the week's lineup. And if, if everything goes as planned, we have an interview with Tony Capone starting at 1030. And, of course, plenty more to go with that, our standard show. Um, Tony Capone is, of course, the owner of the North American Wrestling Association or Alliance. Uh, they have their Jingle Brawl show coming up December 19th that you can watch on Fight or in live at the Daytona Beach Ocean Center. And tomorrow night... John and I will both be on the Essential Wrestling Podcast hosted by Al Carl, and we'll be making our picks for the week's matches and the weekend's big fights and everything to go with it. And Tony Capone will actually also be on that show. So stay tuned for that. And with that, that's everything for today's show. John, any parting words as we close out the morning at 36 minutes? I'm happy I actually got myself out of bed for this one today. Yes. 
John has removed himself from nighttime studios and is now in sectional studios. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your day. Uh, hope you have a good one. Watch some wrestling, and we'll catch you tomorrow.